Mark chapter 7, starting there at verse 5. But I, I'm going to read you a scripture before we go too far into this sermon. And like I said, I've titled this sermon, An Open Letter to All My uh, Catholic Friends. And Paul says in Galatians chapter 4, verse 16, I'm going to read you this verse first. Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? And what I want to point out to you is, is that I'm not trying to make an enemy. I'm, I'm not trying to make an enemy. I like to keep a friend. And because I'm telling you the truth, it's not, I'm not telling you the truth to make you an enemy. I want you to stay my friend. But I want you to, to, to be a friend. I want you to be a friend that has the truth. Amen. And once I give you the truth, based on the Bible, the facts out of the Bible, and once, as a friend that has the truth of the facts of the Bible, then you can go and do whatever you want to do with them. But I feel like I'm not doing you a justice as a friend if I don't give you the truth, what the Bible says when it comes to spiritual and religious matters. Matters because we're not talking about just a, a, a year or two years. We're talking about matters that pertain to eternity. Amen. We're talking about things that, that are going to be eternal. So I have a duty as a friend. I should have a duty as a friend, as your friend. Because I have some Catholic friends, and they're good friends. But I have some Catholic friends that I believe need to hear the truth. Amen. And that's what this sermon's about. And it's an open letter. Now, open letter, what does that mean? An open letter is, is uh, let me just, let me, I'll give you a definition of the way it's defined if you were to look it up. It's a letter that's often critical addressed to a group of people. It's a letter often critical to address to a group of people. So I want you to notice that uh, what the definition is, is what I mean, is what I've kind of taken by too. I'm going to be critical of some things about being a Catholic, but this thing is to a group of people. I'm not, uh, uh, not pointing fingers at a certain person I know or a certain friend I know or a certain Catholic I've seen in my life. This is, as a group, this is a belief system. As a matter of fact, this is a belief system that's by the Roman Catholic Church. That's not the, uh, uh, I know a lot of good Catholic men and women that are good people. I love them. They're friends of mine. But the system is what this is an open letter to. It's an open letter to a group of people. I'm not out to hurt anybody. I'm not out to upset anybody. I'm just trying to give you something to think about. Amen. I'm just trying to give you something to think about if you're a Catholic. So this morning, I want to start there at Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7, verse 5. Mark chapter 7, verse 5. Then the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, asked Jesus, Why walk not, the, not thy disciples according to the tradition, tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashing hands? See, they weren't washing their hands. They just went right in and started eating. They noticed it said, Hey, our tradition is you wash your hands before you eat. Verse 6. He answered and said unto them, Well hath Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites. As it is written, this people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Amen. But their heart is far from me. Amen. So look down, knowing this, look down at verse 13. Jesus finishes off this by saying in verse 13, Making the word of God of none effect through your tradition which you have delivered, and many such like things you, ye do. Things do ye. So Jesus Christ says there in verse 13, Making the word of God of none effect through your tradition, which ye have delivered, and many such like things do ye. Now, a Catholic, Catholics like to take the Bible and tradition and make them, make them both their authority. They like to claim that, uh, I had some Catholic friends say that they take tradition 
and they take the Bible, and that's their authority. And I want to tell you that you only have one authority, and your one authority should not be tradition. Your one final authority should be the Word of God. Amen. The Word of God should be and is, should be your final authorities. Let me tell you something. Uh, as a friend, I want to tell you this. You can't have two authorities. Amen. You can't have two final authorities. You just can't. It don't work. Even our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ said a man can't have two masters. You're either going to love the one and hate the other. You're going to hate the one and love the other. You can't have two masters. There, there comes a time on the road of life where one's going to go against the other and you're going to have to pick at that crossroads of your life, you're going to have to pick one over the other. Because if, if, if they agreed together, then they would be together as a final authority. But they're, can't, they, they're not. They're not together. They're tradition and there's the Bible. And Jesus Christ points out here to these Pharisees that they were not honoring God. They were trying to honor God through their tradition. Verse uh, 6, These people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. How be it in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. There's been some men that have come up with some ideas and some, some traditions, and they've made them religious doctrines, religious teachings. They've come up with them. They're not from the Word of God, and they teach them as gospel. They teach them as the truth. And some of these traditions and some of these, uh, some of these things they teach, they go against the Word of God. So as, as a friend of yours, I want to encourage you to take the Word of God over any church tradition. You can't have two authorities. You can only have one final authority. When church tradition, when church tradition conflicts with the Bible, when it conflicts with the Bible, when it contradicts with the Bible, choose the Bible over church tradition. Take the Bible, always take the Bible over church tradition. Whatever you do in your Christian life, whatever you do to please God in your Christian life, you always have to approach, it, approach God through the Scriptures, through the Word of God. See there in verse 13? Making the Word of God of none effect through your tradition. If you have a church tradition... That's making, that goes against the Word of God, that nullifies the Word of God. If you ever have somebody say, and you say, well, the Bible says this, and they say, well, that's not how we do it, then you know to take them and throw them out and to pick the Bible. Amen. Why do you say that, Brother Keegan? Because that's what our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, said to do. Amen. And that's what I'm warning you about. If your tradition goes against the Bible, throw your tradition, O-U-T, out, out, out. Throw your tradition out. Let's go on to the next one. Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. Let's go on to the next one. I'm, I'm preaching to my Catholic friends. This is an open letter to my Catholic friends that I love. I do have a lot of love for my Catholic friends. Uh, I have a lot of friends. Uh, that, that uh, Not a lot of friends, but I have some friends that are Catholics and I love them to death. And I don't want to offend them, but I definitely want them to know the truth. And this is another truth they need to understand. And we're going to find this in Luke chapter 11. We're going to look at verse 27. And I want to encourage you, my Catholic friend, I want to encourage you not to deify Mary, the mother of Jesus Christ. I don't want you, I want to encourage you not to deify. Deify is to make Mary, when I say not to make Mary deity, not to make Mary deified, what I mean by that is I don't, want you to make Mary a God, Amen. to have God-like powers. And they tend to do that in the Catholic system. Verse 27, it came to pass as, as he spake these things, a certain woman of the company lifted up her voice 
and said unto him, said unto Jesus, Blessed is the womb that bare thee, and the paps which thou hast sucked. She's saying, Blessed is Mary. Oh, must, your mom must be so blessed. Oh, your mom, she's so wonderful that she raised you. And she, oh, you've got a wonderful mother. And she's praising Mary. That's what she's doing there in that verse. Look how Jesus Christ answers this. Verse 28. My Catholic friend, look at this. But he said, Jesus Christ said, Yea, rather, blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. My Catholic friend, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who you claim to know as Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, our Savior Jesus Christ said he'd rather you glorify God through the Word of God. He said, rather, blessed are they that hear the Word of God you're hearing it, and you're keeping it. Jesus Christ just told you, you need to take the word of God over anything Mary says. You need to take the word of God over anything that Mary's doing. You need to take the word of God over anything you think Mary can do or will do. You need to take the word of God. Now, that's important. Because he says you need to hear the word of God, and you need to keep it. So, if you read the word of God, and you study out the word of God, the Mary that's presented to you in the Catholic system is not the Mary that's presented in the Word of God. Being honest with you, just being truthful. The Mary that's presented to you as immaculate, as being she was born of a virgin, that she never died, went up to heaven, is up in heaven as a queen of heaven, and is listening to prayers, is hearing prayers. This Mary that is... You, you pray to Mary, this Mary, and she goes to her son, Jesus Christ, and a good son always listens to his mother, and she'll tell her son what to do, and her son, because he listens to his mother, will do what his mother says. This Mary that's presented to you, that you make a graven image to, that you bow down to, that you worship to, that's not the Mary that's presented in the Word of God. And our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, when he was presented with this woman that wanted to bless his mother, that wanted to praise his mother. Let, let, let me go so far as to say that he, this lady was willing to worship Jesus Christ's mother. He says, yea, rather, blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. Amen. You'll be a lot more blessed if you'll hear God's word and keep it. Amen. Anything you can do to give praise to Mary. Look at Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3. I'm going to show you this to, this to you again. Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3, verse 31. You'll notice I'm going to turn to a lot of scripture this morning. Because if I'm going to give you the truth, it's not going to be my idea. It's not going to be my philosophy. It's not going to be my truth. It's not going to be something I come up with while I was, while I was just sitting around meditating. No, this is going to be word for word what the Bible says. And I'm going to show you that what the Bible's saying goes against what the Catholic Church and tradition teaches you. That's why this is an open letter. It's an open letter because I have so many Catholic friends and I just wonder... Have you read the Bible? Have you looked at the Bible? Has, have, have you been given an opportunity to read the Bible? And I encourage you, of course, to read your Bible. Look at Mark chapter 3, verse 31. There came then his brethren and his mother, and standing without, sent unto him, calling him. Now it says right there that his mother was calling unto him. Verse 31. also says he has brethren. Your Bible, the Bible teaches that Jesus Christ had half-brothers and half-sisters. The Bible says that Mary, 
after Jesus Christ was born that Joseph and Mary had some kids together. And they would make them the half-brothers of Jesus Christ. Then came him, then his brethren and his mother, and standing without, sent unto him, calling him. And the multitude sat about him, and they said unto him, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren without seek for thee. So they tell Jesus, Hey, your mother's outside, and she's wanting to talk to you. She wants to, 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 to see you. Now, you're going to be told by the Catholic Church that, that Jesus is going to do everything that Mary says because Jesus Christ is a good son, and a good son always listens to his mother. Now, what is, how is, does Jesus Christ, is he going to jump up and run outside and say, Yeah, Mama, what do you need, Mama, whatever you need, and bow down to her and worship her? And Let's see what Jesus Christ does. Verse 33, And he answered them, saying, Who is my mother or my brethren? And he looked round about on them which sat about him and said, Behold my mother and my brethren. For whosoever shall do the will of God, the same is my brother and my sister and mother. Amen. Jesus Christ in one swell swoop puts us all on a level playing field. He said, if you can get close to me, you'll be like a mother to me, you'll be like a brother to me, you'll be like a sister to me. A mother and a brother and a sister, and we're all in here together. And his mother's outside, the one that you're worshiping, the one you're bowing down to, the one you say is listening to your prayers up in heaven. She's outside calling for him, and he's turning, and he's looking at other ladies and said, you're my mother. You're my brother. Well, I thought your brother and mother were outside. It's those that get close to Jesus Christ. Amen. Not those that get close to a church or a tradition. It's a spiritual thing. It's nothing physical. Now, as a Catholic church, they don't put the Word of God as their final authority. Whenever the Word of God goes against what they teach as a church tradition, they change the Word of God. Amen. Now, you say, prove that. That's a strong statement. I know, a strong statement. And I'm, I'm going to prove it to you. And I don't want you to turn there, but you can go home and read it. Most of us know the Ten Commandments, where the Ten Commandments are found in Exodus chapter 20. If you go home and read Exodus chapter 20, God's going to give Moses the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20. And in those Ten Commandments, one of the commandments, the second one that's mentioned is, Thou shalt not make any graven image and bow down and worship it. Amen. In other words, don't make any kind of idol, don't make any kind of image, don't make any image of man. It says a man, a beast, of any kind of animal, creeping thing, and bow down to it. The Lord God does not want you to do that. That's forbidden. You should not, don't do that. Amen. Now, the Roman Catholic Church has took the Ten Commandments and they've done away with that commandment. Amen. The last commandment is, thou shalt not cover thy neighbor's house or thou shalt not cover thy neighbor's wife. Those are two different commandments. So, I mean, that's one commandment, pardon me. The Catholic Church takes that last commandment, splits it into two, gets rid of the second commandment. So they have ten commandments just like we have ten commandments, but they've done away with the second commandment. Now I can prove that, that that's what they do. Black and white, I can prove it to you with your very eyes. If you go down to Brownwood, Texas, in front of St. Mary's Catholic Church, you will find on the front of that church, and I've got a picture of it right here, on the front of that church. It's called St. Mary's Queen of Peace Catholic Church. They have the Ten Commandments right in stone, right next to their sign. 
If you go down there and you'll pull up there in their parking lot and look at their sign, they have the Ten Commandments. And if you look at their sign, the second commandment is, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And the last two commandments is, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Exactly what I'm telling you they do is exactly what they show you that they do. That the, the commandment not to bow down to any graven image has been took away out of the Ten Commandments for a Catholic. Now, my Catholic friend, that should show you that somebody's taken church tradition over the Word of God. Amen. I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. I'm just trying to give you something, something to think about. Uh, we should not be deifying Mary. Amen. Mary in the Bible is never meant to be deified. Uh, She's never meant, you, ne you should never take an image and bow down to Im any image. I don't care if it's, if it's the Mary and you think she's the mother of Jesus and we should make an image to her and bow down and put candles. That's, ex that's specifically spoken against of by our Lord God. Amen. And Mary is not to be deified. Mary was blessed. But she's not more blessed than anybody else that gets around Jesus Christ. If you can have a good relationship with Jesus Christ, you know what he's going to say? He said, you're my, you're my mother. Amen. Is that not just what I read? He said. For whosoever shall do the will of God, the same as my brother and my sister and mother. Amen. You can't deify Mary. You say, well, I, I, I just worship her as God, as, as Mary. I just worship Mary as the, as the mother of Jesus. And I think she should be worshipped. I, I think she should be uh, glorified. I think, she, you know, she's very special, Keegan. And I think, you know, you should step back and, and think about what you're saying. Well, you need to step back and think about what you're saying. Because when you start deifying Mary, and you say, well, I'm not deifying Mary. I'm just saying that she's up in heaven, and you think your mother's up in heaven. Yeah, my mother's up in heaven. You think your mother's up in heaven. Well, Jesus' mother's up in heaven. And I'm just praying to her because I know that she has a special relationship with Jesus. The Bible never teaches that you can pray to anybody but to God the Father through Jesus Christ. Amen. Number one. Number two, you are deifying Mary by saying you're praying to her. Well, you say, no, I don't call her God. Listen to me. Listen to me. Meditate on what you're saying. What, what I, when I was down in Pensacola and we had a Bible Institute, we had the church there, and they had these, these staircases. And you went up these staircases to the prayer rooms. And you went up to the prayer rooms. And when you went up to the top of the staircase, you went to, in the right room was the prayer room for the women. And you went on the left room, you go in there, and it's all the men would go into this room and we'd all pray. And when you walked up, when you started walking up those stairs before the services, it, there was a buzz. And it was, you could just, so many people praying out loud. And when you got to the top of the stairs, there was people praying out loud over here and people praying out loud over here. And it was just like, a, the only way I could describe it is like bees. You couldn't hear anything. You couldn't understand what anybody was specifically saying. There's so much. And I got in there and I'd, I'd sit down and I'd start praying. And, you'd, and I always used to pray quiet. Well, you can't do that in there because <laughs> the, the bombardment of everybody praying, and you can't even, so you, you start praying out loud too so you can hear your own voice and maybe drown out everybody. Do you understand what I'm saying? When you say Mary can hear your prayers, she's hearing the prayers of everybody at once, and a man or a woman cannot do that unless they're God. God's the only one that can hear all the prayers of his saints down in Brazil or Mexico or Canada or Japan or China. He can listen to all the prayers at once and know them and hear them and answer them because he's God. And Mary can never do that and she would never be able to do that unless she was deity. Amen. 
and the Word of God specifically does never say she's deity. As a matter of fact, Jesus Christ makes sure that you understand that if you can get close to Him, you'll be just like Mary to Him. And I want you to grab a hold of that. Look at Matthew chapter 23. Let's move on. Move on. Matthew chapter 23. Go back a couple pages to Matthew 23, verse 9. Matthew chapter 23, verse 9. You shouldn't be praying to Mary. You shouldn't be praying to any other saint. The Bible never teaches any of that. The Bible never teaches that somebody was praying to a saint and getting prayers answered. That's not biblical. Well, the church might be teaching you that, but I'm telling you, it's not biblical. And I'm trying to show you, Jesus Christ told us himself, you need to take the word of God over your tradition. The word of God is the final authority. The word of God is the final authority. Look at Matthew 23, verse 9. Matthew 23, verse 9. And call no man your father upon the earth, for one is your father which is in heaven. Simply put, you shouldn't be calling any man your spiritual father. Jesus Christ is talking about spiritual things here, and he's, he's pointing out that you, don't, he, you shouldn't be calling any man your father. You have one father, that's God the Father up in heaven. You don't call any man walking around on this earth your father, your spiritual father. You can call your dad your dad, and your, your dad your father. That's in the flesh. Jesus Christ is talking about in the spirit. So when you, when you have a spiritual leader that expects you to call him father, that goes directly against what the word of God teaches us through Jesus Christ. It goes, I mean, it's as black and white as it can be. He comes out and says it. Call no man your father upon the earth, for one is your father, which is in heaven. And he's talking, chapter 23, read the whole chapter sometime. Chapter 23 of Matthew is Jesus Christ. He's just attacking the religious leaders of that day, the Pharisees and Sadducees. He calls them hypocrites. He calls them vipers. He calls them, sna- he calls them everything you can think of. And that's why, it, that, in the context, that's why he's saying, don't, let them, don't be calling them father. You have one father, he's up in heaven. Now, con- read with me. Continue with me. Now, listen. Neither be ye called masters. For one is your master, even Christ. But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. Don't let anyone exalt himself above you spiritually. Do you know that uh, you and I are not equal in God's eyes? You You and I are not equal. I'm less than you. I'm supposed to be less than you. I'm your minister. I'm your servant. I'm supposed to wash your feet. I'm supposed, when, you, when you're in need, I'm supposed to get up at 3 o'clock in the morning and go do your need. I'm your minister. I'm your servant. I'm not your father that I, you're supposed to respect me and worship me and kiss my hand or kiss my finger or do anything else like that. I am your minister and your servant. Verse 11, but he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. Anybody that starts wanting to serve the church, start wanting to serve Jesus Christ, they become a bigger and a bigger servant. So when you have a man come up to you and he wants you to start calling him father, father, that's completely anti-biblical. It's completely against what Jesus Christ said. And let me tell you another thing that bothers me too, and this, this isn't to my Catholic friends, this is to everybody. And I'm not a reverend. I'm not Reverend Kigan. And I've had people call me that. I've had people call me father. And my blood just, you know, <laughs> I'm not a father, man. You know, I've had them call me reverend. I'm not a reverend. Don't reverence me. We're brothers and sisters. We're just brothers and sisters. If anything, like I said, I'm not equal with you. I'm less than you. 
You're able to step on me. You're supposed to be able to take advantage of me. I'm your servant. You tell me, go, I'm supposed to go. You just tell me, come here, I'm supposed to come here. That's what servant means. That's what minister means. Minister means you minister out things. You minister them out. If you need something, I'll come minister out to you. These are all servant, it's a servitude attitude. And see, that's what people don't like about Christianity. It's all spiritual. But when Christianity comes into the physical realm, it's all about being a servant and being a slave and, 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 for, and, and giving away and uh, not taking. And all these things that the world doesn't like, that's what Christ is. So uh, I want to encourage you not to be calling any man your father. Why are you doing that? Well, I know why you're doing that. You're doing that because he has authority over you to forgive your sins. And I'm going to show you, and he, he might be a priest. You might call him a priest. and He does present himself as a priest, but there's only really one high priest, and that's our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, according to Hebrews. But we don't have time. The, the sermon would be three days long if I preached on everything that's wrong with the Catholic system. I'm just trying to give you some highlights of it to give you something to think about. But turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. I'll give you another one. This is the fourth one. 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. Let me give you another one. Moving along. You, you don't need a priest. You don't need to go into any confessional to have your sins forgiven. You can have your sins forgiven right now by God the Father through Jesus Christ. That's it. That's what you need to know. And what you need to understand as a, when you become a Christian and you're born into the family of God, you need to understand a verse 5. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. Ye, Peter says to you, Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house, I want you to notice this, an holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Every born-again believer in Jesus Christ, every Christian is a priest. You're a holy priest. Meaning that you can go to God through Jesus Christ and have your sins forgiven. You don't need to come to me and say, Brother Keegan, can you ask God to forgive me of my sins? No, you go ask God to forgive you your sins. Your sins are not against me. Your sins are not against a Catholic priest. Your sins are against God. Your sins are not even against a person you sinned against a lot of times. Your sin is against God. He's the one that has that sin that's going to hold you accountable. Go ask Him. They called Jesus Christ out on this. Jesus Christ had a man lower down in front of him that was on, a, on his bed. He couldn't move, and they moved the, 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 the tile of the roof, and they brought him down in front of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ said, My son, your sins are forgiven. And the people in the room, the Pharisees, says, How can any man forgive sins but God? You know what? They were right. That's a good question. And Jesus turned to them and said, Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or rise up and walk? Well, it's easier to say your sins are forgiven because nobody knows if your sins are forgiven. But Jesus Christ says, so you'll know that his sins are forgiven? Rise up and walk! And that guy gets off that bed and, whoo, he can walk. He's showing you I have the power of God. And since I'm God manifesting the flesh, not only can heal any man I want to, raise the dead, I can forgive sins because your sins are against me. 
So we've got a God in Jesus Christ that will forgive your sins. You have no need to go to anybody else and have them be a mediator. There's only one mediator between you and God, and it's the man, Christ Jesus. You say, where do you get that from? That's in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. All the stuff I'm preaching to you is Scripture. It's Bible. And if you do anything, if you get mad at me, I want you to get so mad at me. If you're a Catholic and you're a friend of mine, I don't want you mad at me, but if you get so mad, I want you to get so mad at me that you'll pick up your Bible and read it to prove me wrong. <laughs> oh, that would make me so happy. You, I want you to get so frustrated and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read my Bible, I'm going to study my Bible, and I'm going to prove that bald-headed preacher wrong. I want you to. Because I have been proven wrong about some things. And I want you to. I want you to read it, and I want you to prove me wrong. But I want you to know, if you, get in, if you go into that Bible trying to prove me wrong, you might be surprised by what you find. And that's what I'm trying to open your eyes with. Is that you are a royal priesthood. Look at verse 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. Praise the Lord. We went out of darkness into his light. These are spiritual sacrifices in verse 5. To offer up spiritual sacrifices. We're not, offer, we're not a priest that offers up a wafer or, 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 or wine or any kind of thing else that's physical. We are a priest. We are a royal priest, a priesthood that offers up spiritual sacrifices to our God. You're getting caught up in the physical. They're getting caught up in the beautiful buildings and the, and the priest with his beautiful robes. And you got, you're calling him Father and he's going to come in and he's a high above you. And you come in and he forgives you your sins. Jesus Christ never taught that. You want to do a Bible study, go, read, go do a study on Nicolaitan. Nicolaitan. That verse, you'll find that in the Revelations. The first of Revelations. I think it's in Revelations chapter 3. You'll find that word. It's called Nicolaitan. Nico is uh, to conquer. Nico means to conquer. Laetan is laity, the people, to conquer the people, to be above the people. And you know what Jesus Christ said about Nicolaitans? Those, those people, that, that they're religious, and they try to put, they're like here, they're cardinals, they're priests, they're bishops, and you're way down here. You're, you know, you're over them. You know what Jesus Christ said about the Nicolaitans? I, I won't make you read your Bible. I'll go ahead and tell you. He said about the Nicolaitans, he said, I hate them. Yeah. Hate's a strong word, Brother Keegan. Yeah. And Jesus Christ used it. I hate him. Yeah. Jesus Christ never intended for me to be above anybody. And it's, it's, when, I, I, when I start thinking I'm high and mighty and everything, Jesus Christ will knock my knees out from underneath me. And he should. Nobody's above you. I don't care how poor you are. I don't care what kind of background you have. I don't care what kind of color of skin you have. We're all equal in Jesus Christ. We all have the same access to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We have the same forgiveness of sins. We have the same love. He gives us the same grace. It's all equal in Jesus Christ. Nobody's above anybody in this system. And if you're in the body of Christ and you're above somebody in the body of Christ or you're lower than somebody in the body of Christ, it's because it's something you're doing wrong, sinfully. It's your fault. Amen. And not Jesus didn't put you there. You're like Judas. You're doing things you shouldn't be doing. Look at Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21. Going back. I know I'm turning to a lot of scripture, but I've got to do it. I've got to show you. 
I want to make sure you understand Matthew 21. So what I'm trying to close out by saying in that last point is, a priest will have you do indulgences for your sins. You do certain things. Some, some of you mail, hail Marys. You know, you're praying to Mary. Some of you hail Marys. Some of you this, some of you that. Some of them I've heard. I've never seen it. I don't know for a fact. I know they used two years ago. Some of them will even say you need to put so much money in the offering. You need to do this. You need to do that. It's about money. And it all has to do with somebody, maybe you go to somebody and say, well, my kinfolk, they, 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 were, they, weren't, they didn't murder anybody. They didn't, you know, commit adultery, but they're down in purgatory. They die, they're down in purgatory. So you go to your priest and you tell your priest, I, I want to pray for my, my aunt. She's down in purgatory and I want to pray her out of there. So let's, and, the, and the priest will say, well, you got to do this, you got to do that. Listen to me. That's another way. That's just, that's all hogwash. Number one, you're not going to find purgatory in your Bible. Nowhere, period. That's never even implied or taught. And you don't have to go to a priest. Once you die, that's it. That you're, it's done with. You've had your chance. You need to be worried about somebody else. If you, you say, well, my aunt died and I think she didn't know Jesus Christ. Well, you better get with her husband. You better get with her kids. You better get them saved. You're, you're falling down on the job. Somebody better be doing something. And, and, and I'm showing you this, verse 12. Matthew chapter, chapter 21, verse 12. This all kind of ties together. Matthew chapter 21, verse 12. And Jesus went into the temple of God and cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves and said unto them, It is written, My house shall be called the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. You shouldn't be paying money for anything associated with Jesus Christ. Amen. Period. I'm so funny about that. We don't even pass the offering plate here. I don't want you to be, I don't want you to associate my preaching. I don't want you to associate this church. I don't want you to associate Jesus Christ with any form of money whatsoever when you come into this church. Amen. The Lord takes care of us and he's been taking care of us and I trust for him to keep taking care of us. Amen. And he has. But listen to me. Anything that's associated with Jesus Christ, if it's forgiveness of sins or indulgences or whatever it is, uh, being buried, whatever it is, if you have to pay somebody for that, it's not associated with Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ got so angry about that, he turned over their tables and kicked them out and said, It is written, My house shall be called the house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. If your church does a lot of talk about money, and tithing, and I'm talking not to Catholics, I'm talking to anybody. If, you're, if your church focuses a lot about money and tithing, let me give you some really good advice. Find another church. Amen. Find another church. Amen. And I'm talking about if they're talking about God giving you money or you giving them money, find another church. Because Jesus Christ doesn't want to talk about money. Jesus Christ warned about riches over and over again. It's not about the physical. It's not about you. It's about the spiritualness of Jesus Christ and getting to have a relationship with him. And man doesn't like that. Man wants to see the pretty buildings. He wants to see the pretty cathedrals. He wants to see the preacher dressed up in a suit and a tie and a collar. He wants the preacher to be above him. He wants to have a system set up to where he can go in and everything's holy in this room. And then he can leave out and live like the devil the rest of the week. And God doesn't like that. That's lukewarm. Jesus Christ said, I'll spew you, spew you out of my mouth. What Jesus Christ wants out of Christians, he wants us to be Christians 24 hours a day. It's a spiritual walk. It's not about a physical. They can come 
They can burn this building down, burn the pews, burn the speakers, burn all this down, and we'll show up here next Sunday and we'll have church underneath that oak tree out there. Praise God, because that's what we are. We're a body of believers, spiritually speaking. And if I kill over the heart attack, somebody else will stand up and say, I'm going to preach this Sunday. Praise God. Let them preach. Amen. Whoever God lays on their heart to preach, let them preach. I'm nothing special. The only thing special about me is Jesus Christ and me. Amen. And every Christian's like me. I'm not above anybody else, and I don't necessarily want anybody to be above me. I, we're all, the only one I want above me is Jesus. Amen. That's all I want above me. I want to close out by turning to John 3. John 3, and I, I love my Catholic friends, I love them to death, but I don't think they're reading their Bible, and that's what scares me. And I, I'm, I'm focusing on the Bible because I don't think they're reading their Bible. Because any man who could read their Bible would see the problems with, 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 with Catholicism and would get saved. Because if you're living in a Catholic system, the way the Catholics use their tradition, it's hard for me to say, as a Christian, to look at you and say, I think you're saved and going to heaven. Because you're putting your faith in men. You're putting your faith in a church. You're putting your faith in a tradition. You're putting your faith into some works. And my Bible teaches the total opposite. My Bible says you've got to put your trust in Jesus Christ and Him alone. And I'm going to show you John chapter 3, verse Three, Jesus Christ is talking to Nicodemus, and he says this to Nicodemus. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Amen. My Catholic friends, you must be born again. Uh, you can't go, you can't, and I've had y'all tell me this, my Catholic friends, I've had y'all tell me this, that I was baptized when I was a little infant into the church, and this, that, and another, and uh, you, you, you're trusting in that to get you into, into the kingdom of heaven, and you're not going to get into the kingdom because you're not born again. Let me read it to you. Jesus Christ said in verse 4, Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? This has nothing to do with physicalness. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That's your first birth. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. That's your second birth. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. Amen. I'm saying you must be born again, my Catholic friend, because our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ said, ye must be born again. How does one be born again? Verse 8, the wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. You can't see it. You see it work on a person's life, but you can't physically see the Holy Spirit come into somebody's heart. You can't physically see the Holy Spirit work on a man's heart and, and, and make him alive spiritually. But just like the wind blows through the tree and you see the leaves move, you can see it move across a person's life where their life starts changing. Amen. The surest sign that somebody has received Jesus Christ and is born again is their life changes. So many times why I question people's salvation because they don't look like their life has changed, not one bit. And if you're still living the same life you lived years ago when you received Jesus Christ supposedly or got saved and you still are in the same condition and you're still living the same, in the same sins and living the same kind of life, then you need to check your salvation. Amen. And I'm the last person to try to talk you out of salvation, but you need to check it. 
Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Jesus says, We speak that we do know, and testify that we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. I have told you earthly things, and you believe not. How shall you believe if I tell you heavenly things? And no man ascended up to heaven, but he that come down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. Then he goes on to say this, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That's Jesus on the cross. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. All right. Now, uh, have eternal life. Excuse me, but have eternal life. Now we're getting to it. It's all about the cross. It's all about Jesus Christ. It's all about him dying for you. That's that sacrifice. That priest is offering that sacrifice every Sunday. And he's going and he's getting the wafer and he's putting it on your tongue. And he's drinking the juice and you're thinking, okay, that's keep giving me eternal. No, that sacrifice was done once and for all. Hebrews chapter 10. And it's already done and it covers all our sins. And that's when he was lifted up. Well, how do I get those sins covered? You don't have to walk down some church and put, your, uh, put, put the, the Eucharist in your mouth or take some kind of Lord's Supper or have a priest forgive you. Said so This is how you get it. Verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Amen. Man, it's so simple. My, my, my Catholic friend, are you born again? How can I become born again, brother? I tell you how you become born again. You believe. Put all your faith in Jesus Christ and Him alone. Say, I'm not going to trust in my works or my church or my baptism or my tradition or what a priest tells me. I'm going to trust in the Word of God because that's what Jesus Christ told me to trust in. I'm just going to simply just believe on Jesus Christ. And you know what I found out when I was a young man and I, I put my faith on Jesus Christ? Man, something came into my heart. This weight was lifted off my shoulders. And I can say today, just 30 years later, I can say today, I am a Christian. I am born again. Amen. I'm not telling you I'm perfect. I'm not trying to convince you of something I'm not. I'm just telling you I know I'm saved. And nobody can talk me out of it. Not anybody. Verse 30, 36. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Amen. I want to point out to you that in those verses I read to you, not one time was Mary mentioned. Not one time was there a priest mentioned. Not one time was there any kind of work mentioned. I want to point out to you in these verses that everything that's mentioned here was believe, believe, believe on a certain man and his name is Jesus Christ. It's all about receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. How do you receive him? You receive him by believing on him. In John chapter 1, verse 12, But as many as received him, received Jesus, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Amen. You know a Jesus. My Catholic friend, you know who Jesus Christ is, but do you know him? Do you know him? So many people can say that they know me. I mean, they, they know me from 15 years of working there at the city, growing up in Brownwood area, uh, coming to church, and maybe they've heard me and everything. They've heard me preach uh, funerals, and they'll say, oh, yeah, I know Brother Keegan, but nobody knows me but my wife and my dearest friends. Y'all know me. Y'all been around me for years. But how many people say, yeah, I know him. You don't know me. You don't know what I like. You don't know what I dislike. You don't know how, I, how my faults. 
You don't know nothing about me. When you know Jesus Christ, you know him. Amen. And you know what he likes, you know what he dislikes, and you know what pleases him, and you know what displeases him, you know him. He's not just, he's not, listen to me, he's not just this 2,000 year old historical figure that is, is way off, and he's, no, he's alive and he's right there. And it, it, it's almost like, brothers and sisters, I'm, I'm trying to tell you, it's almost like there's times with my walk with Jesus Christ that I feel like I could just turn and he'd be right there. He's just that close with me. And there's other times in my spiritual walk that Jesus Christ feels like he's up on the moon, you know. I mean, I just, there's no way I can get him. And that's my own fault. But this knowing Jesus Christ, receiving him, it all comes by faith, by confessing, by just saying, getting down on your knees and the best of your ability saying, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know, I, I know I'm going to hell without Jesus Christ. I know you died for my sins. Would you save me? I'm praying this the best way I know how. Would you save me in the name of Jesus Christ? Well, you, if you'll pray a prayer like that, I can guarantee you. And you mean it. He'll show up and he'll work in your life. And you'll, the Holy Spirit will move on you. And like the leaves rustling on a tree, you'll see a change come over your life. Other people will see the change in your life. And you will be known as being a born-again Christian. Amen. You'll have that second birth that you must have. You must be born again. Mm -hmm. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just, to the best of my ability, Lord, just kind of scrambled through these verses. Father, I'm not trying to hurt anybody. Lord, you know my heart. I, I don't want to make any enemies, Lord. I want to keep friends, Father. And I just pray, Lord, that, Father, these scripture, these words I read, Lord God, that they'll sink down, Lord. That they, if there's somebody that's offended, Lord God, maybe they're hurt, Lord, that they won't. They'll just take it, Lord, and turn it around and just say, well, I, will, I, I, I trust him, Lord. I just want to see if he's, if he's right, Lord. And they'll just look into it, Father. I just pray that. And Lord, I pray if there's somebody, maybe there's a Catholic friend of mine that's listening, Lord, that says, you know, I, I've noticed this stuff, and it's, it's, been, it's been bothering me a little bit. And now that I see the Bible and see what, what the truth is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get saved. I want, I want that, that born-again feeling. I want to have the Spirit move into my life. I want Jesus Christ to reside in me. Lord, if, you have any, if I have any Catholic friend that feels that way this morning, Lord God, I, Father, I just pray you move on them right now, Lord God, and they'll have the courage just to get down on their knees, Lord, and ask you to save them. And Lord, I ask you to make it real to them, Lord God. Father, I pray you come in, Lord God, and with your Holy Spirit, wrap your arms around them, show them how much you love them, Lord God. You don't want them to work to you, Lord. You don't want them to go to some other man to come to you, Lord. You want them to come to you personally, and you want to be their personal Savior, and you want to talk to them and have a beautiful relationship with them, Lord. Thank you, Father, that you sit on a throne of grace and not a throne of condemnation. And, Lord, as we have this invitation, Father, if there's somebody who needs to come down and make a decision for the Lord, Lord God, we're just praying you'll speak to the heart. In Jesus Christ's holy name I pray. Amen. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the Internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3 verse 16. And most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, 
that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13, he sums it up, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him.